Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 359 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Ian Beckman of Big Sur Games about their multitask space station come convenience store management game, Cosmo's Quick Stop. Yeah, that's quite a, quite a rattle off. But it's true. You play Cosmo and you're managing a space convenience store. We're Aliens with lots of heads, or maybe no head, but lots of eyes, and all sorts of things. Pay a visit and buy things, get their spaceship refueled, cleaned, all sorts of things. And more besides. And you're charged with looking after them and the quick stop. It's a really fun and very entertaining game. That's, wait for it, very well put together. There you go. Take a drink already. Really great chat with Ian, knows his stuff. I loved the game when I first encountered it at Apex. I think it was East. I can't remember. I've said it before. They kind of merge East and West. Don't know. But anyway, point is, fantastic game, fantastic guest. Let's listen to me from the past talking to Ian about this amazing game. Chris, if you'd be so kind. Ian. Hi. Hi. Who are you? What do you do? <laughs> uh, so I'm Ian Beckman. Um, I'm the director at Big Sur Games, um, and we just released the game Cosmos Quick Stop. Uh, for those who don't know it, it's a interstellar gas station management game uh, where you play a janitor in the space gas station. You have aliens showing up, wanting tasks, and you're just running around doing little things, trying to stay on top of it all. Um, you do, but... and you're and you are hired by the worst uncle ever, who thinks yes. he's the best uncle ever. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, Uncle Cosmo. Uncle Cosmo. <laughs> no one needs Uncle Cosmo. The universe no. doesn't need Uncle Cosmo, but Uncle Cosmo thinks the universe does. So <laughs> Very much so. That's 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 the great thing. But before we delve deep into into Cosmo's quick stop, and we're going to everyone. Let's keep our powder dry. There's a phrase we often use in this show, because we do. And this, let's move on to find out a little bit more about Ian. Okay. So, okay. how did you make you start making flashy, lighty video games? <laughs> um, so I kind of took a strange path. Um, I went to uh, college for 3D film animation, um, you know, Pixar, something like that. 
Um, I spent four years doing that um, through college. And then after I graduated college, it was 2008, 2009 um, area. And there weren't a lot of jobs in uh, animation in Chicago where I'm based. Um, so I started um, kind of fishing around, doing some short films, um, stuff like that. And then I ended up knowing someone in the game industry who they needed a junior motion capture animator. Uh, so I got brought on for that, uh, learned how to do motion capture animation, which honestly is very efficient, but not very fun or fulfilling, especially someone who's more of a trained artist. Um, so I did that for four or five years, kind of contract work all over the place. Eventually, um, my wife and I, who my wife is also an animator, uh, got sick work, sick of working on uh, motion capture animation, and we decided to kind of start our own company. Um, and so we started that uh, while we were kind of wrapping up a, a, a different animation contract. So I kind of decided to learn a little programming to uh, prototype stuff while we're, you know, starting up, and then eventually we would hire a programmer. Uh, but then five years later, I was still the programmer and uh, the game was out. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of the history of how I got into that. It's, um, it's a common story on this show that we have a lot of uh, developers coming from the film and animation industry. In fact, a previous mm -hmm. guest uh, um, who, uh, who's developed a game entirely is audio only. It's, oh, wow. That's yeah. amazing. And um, not to detract from Cosmos at all, but to, he's, he was a director and all sorts, you know, the producer and cinematographer. That's it. He's a cinematographer. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he, he cinema, yeah, so visuals. And then he made a game for the blind. Okay. Actually, you, <laughs> as someone who worked in that field, you know exactly how that would track anyway. Because we yeah. know sound is 80% of the experience, but people don't understand yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sound is so, so important. And I'm so bad at sound, so... <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's like, you know, I was actually, you know, but, but uh, so this is a common common theme. Uh, it's either that we have someone said, yes, I started in the fetus, and I had, you know, uh, I, heard, I, I heard the Commodore 64 loading, and they're like, that's it. Uh, so, so we have that, we have extremes, you know. People yeah, yeah. Plugging away, going peak 177, you know, before yeah. they could actually speak, they were doing memory addresses so you know it's horses <laughs> for courses yeah but no it's a very good uh it's it's uh, it's interesting that someone from someone not from a heavy maths technical field which traditionally people think that's where game development comes from and in many cases engineers did make games originally because they had to because the maths and complexities involved that's not, that's definitely a thing of the past and, yeah. Uh, yeah it speaks to how powerful these tools are becoming that you really yeah. don't need that math background anymore no you, you at least of all geometry <laughs> you know, or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or, or, or trig an advanced trig and then it just gets really it's like where's that space well that space is there but oh, no. <laughs> anyway but there are still people who pursue that that's fine so ian mm-hmm you can answer this question on behalf of your studio or personally, I do not mind. But it is the dreaded third question. It is nebulous. Uh -oh. it's, one I, it's one I have to ask because you are a creator of things. And the question is this. 
what are your biggest influences? Oh, for sure. Um, I, and I think I can speak both for myself and the studio. Um, we're only three people, so we have a, a pretty tight hive mind. Um, but we're really pushed um, by, you know, cartoony 3D art. Um, so it's something you don't see in a lot of indie games is this kind of high poly uh, 3D style. Uh, we all come from, you know, a 3D modeling, 3D animating background. And so one of our biggest influences is just pushing that kind of, you know, we obviously aren't as good as Pixar, but, you know, getting that kind of film style 3D animation into a game uh, is very important to us. Uh, we also pull a lot of influ influences from like 90s cartoon shows. I mean, we all we're all, you know, the same age, born like 87. Um, and so we grew up with a lot of those like Nickelodeon Cartoon Network shows. Um, and we pull a lot of influence in our kind of design and style from that. Um, and then there's also modern day stuff, you know, their humor in things like Rick and Morty, we pull some from that, um, especially in their vocabulary. Uh, we enjoy a lot of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, we take a lot of kind of influence from, you know, our childhoods and stuff like that, what made us happy, what made us laugh. And we just try to put that experience into a game for everybody to enjoy. Um, and hopefully we're doing an okay job of that. Yeah, I do detect Ren and Stimpy in there. Yeah, sure, sure. We have a, we actually have a, Sell from a Red and Simpy show in one of our offices. So yeah, we're definitely there. We have posters for all real monsters. You know, uh, we we pull from everything. Yeah. I mean, to this day, ever since I first saw Red and Stimpy, and they had the Happy Happy Joy Joy song. Yeah, yeah. Which, all, which we all know, you know, Stimpy didn't like at all, um, <laughs> uh, at all. Uh, but he sang it because he had to, not that he wanted to. And to this day, when any people say, oh, it's my birthday, I always do Happy Happy Joy Joy. It's a way better <laughs> birthday song because everyone's having a Happy Happy Joy Joy time. Yeah, Regardless, it's, just, you, you, it's just great. It's fun to sing. <laughs> it's fun to sing, unless you're stimpy. Uh, you know, yeah, 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 <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's still, it's, uh, I just people like, when I'm Facebook, and like, oh, it's happy, happy, happy Joy Joy. <laughs> Every now and again, they go, I remember that. Well, of course you do. Yeah, of course you do. How could you forget? <laughs> and there's a gift for it now. Like there you go. Thank you. Of course there's well, a gift. Yeah. Of course there's a gift. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um I definitely see it. There's many, many fantastic cartoons of the time. There's even a bit of um you know, the more like the there's more esoteric stuff, maybe strong bad a little bit. I don't know. Um mm -hmm. but, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, there's there's yeah. Definitely, definitely there, and that's what made me chuckle so much. Um, you know, generally speaking, humor is quite international. Although, you know, I refer to Viz comic and stuff like that, which is quite aggressive and sarcastic and nasty, which you haven't got because you go there and it turns people off, doesn't it? Because humor yeah. could be quite. You could quite easily go that route, like really cynical and aggressive, but you don't. And, yeah, uh, I... you know. It's very easy to do that, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we play around with that a little bit with Cosmo. You know, he's kind of... But he's set up in this way that it's like he's saying these kind of cynical or sarcastic things, and it's obviously, like, he's being presented in a way that it's like, oh, 
he's saying these things and these things are dumb, but that is yeah. funny in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Next question. And this one's also tough. I, this, this shows a bit like a video game. It's all lead up to a mini boss halfway through. <laughs> I should have warned you about that, but never mind. Hey, here it is. Um, got you now. Hey! Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, next question is, what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? And also, it could be more than one. Or indeed, Ooh. a person or a company. So, But who do you think? You there! Doing the things. Please carry on. <laughs> that... That's a tough one. There are so many amazing games and developers out there these days. Um, I mean, I think we pull a lot of influence from like a Double Fine. Um, you know, Tim Schafer, we've played a lot of, you know, his classic point and click stuff, but also like Psychonauts, stuff like that. You know, they they have a style that's very similar to ours, you know, with this kind of higher poly 3D stuff. Um, which we really enjoy. Let's see what else. What else is there out there? Um, a lot of the Chicago studios we love. Um, Young Horses, who just released Bug Snacks, um, they always make amazing things, um, and we definitely want to see what else is coming out from them because they're so crazy. <laughs> they don't care. Um, no. Let's let's make a let's make a game about a person who's a octopus who thinks he's a bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What disease? <laughs> what? what crevice from your mind did you come up with that well <laughs> yeah let's not, let's yeah, not I mean, think about it yeah. yeah it's and i think that any any developers that's kind of pushing these the the humor um and making games that are you know a little bit more family friendly or not about you know just competition you know whether that's like shooting or something like that not that there's anything wrong with those games but there's just so much more space for us to explore. Um, and, you know, anybody's doing that is always, you know, we always like that. Humor is tough. Uh, yeah. And uh, when you're being overly, like, uh, like try, try hards, no one, no one, no one likes that. Yeah. Um, and uh, inconsequential humor is even tougher. It's like, yeah. well, if you think about all these things coming together, it's kind of absurd. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is yeah. absurd, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, but I love absurdity. Like, I, we have so much absurd stuff in our game, and it's I. The easiest thing about writing absurdity is that you can just write one-liners everywhere. You know, it doesn't have to be a continuous thing. You just stick them anywhere, and as long as the majority of them are funny to people, like people forget the one the bad ones instantly because there's a new thing for them to laugh at you know just you know a couple seconds down the road definitely yeah right good answers let's go on to the last question of the first half which mm -hmm. is what are you playing right now oh man um I haven't been been able to play a lot of games the past couple of months um you can but... also talk about what you plan to play Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's that works for us too. Okay. Um, well, I do have to shout out. I've been playing a lot of Team Fight Tactics, which is a an auto battler game, um, which I really enjoy the strategy of it. And I I just talked about how like we should make less games that are competitive, and like that's a super competitive game. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it makes me happy, and it you know it, I don't have a lot of the you know 
you know, Twitch skills, like first person shooter stuff. And that game has a lot less um, demand on kind of inputs and more on thinking, which I enjoyed. But um, when I actually have time, um, I really want to dive deep into the new Subnautica game. Um, the first Subnautica I, is one of my favorite games of all time um, because it's. I think it's a very interesting game to see those kind of... It's a big, like a big box survival crafting game, but one that actually has like a really interesting progressional story to it, um, which is something you don't see often. I'm also really, really excited for... Um, the new DLC uh, for I always get this mixed up. Um, Outer Worlds, Outer no, Wilds, Outer Wilds. You're right. Outer Wilds. Yeah, yeah. Outer Wilds. Yeah, they're, they're um, two utterly different games. I know. They couldn't be more different. <laughs> One's a shooter looter game. The other one yeah. is let's blow your mind. Yes, yes, I'll, yes. I'll answer the really tough questions and then actually answer them and then go. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I am I am so excited for that DLC, Me but too. I have Me no too. idea what it's gonna be and Thank like well, why it exists or how. I mean, they've said it. Can't, yeah, you know, we all yeah. I mean, without hinting too much, it's like, well, okay, how is this gonna work? And they yeah, go, well. <laughs> Well, you know, there are other events that occur during... Oh, that's true. There are other things that occur because you yeah. you see them in tangently and like, oh, yeah, I mean, what happened to the thing with the thing? With that? It's so annoying <laughs> to, to talk about that lasted game because you <laughs> cannot say anything about the content whatsoever. It's yeah. Hard. All you can yeah. say is every 22 minutes it resets. <laughs> yeah. It's, so I mean, fun. it's... It's it's such a good game, and it's uh, I want more people to play it because it's yeah. but it's so hard to talk about. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Kada Rince, the uh, the parent show to this one, if you like, we'll be covering it. Uh, I think next year or later this year. I'll have to check. Oh, but, awesome! Uh, I'll have to check yeah, that out. Yeah, that we will do spoilerific because we have to <laughs> with that show because it's all about delving deep into games and talking about them off with, with, with great uh, great gusto. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that we, we can finally sort of blurt out, this happens. <laughs> oh, I said it out loud. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, some 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 events in that game. Oh, oh, <laughs> genius! Absolute genius. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the wild parts are going. How are you meant to get past this bit? This is absurd. This is not possible. And <laughs> Twenty minutes later, oh, I was a breeze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was I worried about? <laughs> or shall I say 22 minutes later um, yeah, yeah. Hey. Uh, <laughs> so um, anything else before we move on to second half game wise um, let's see I uh, and this is another little shout out to Chicago uh, devs but um, uh, they there was just released a little mobile game called like Nova Island um, which is it's an interesting little kind of um deck builder but competitive kind of deck builder game um but it's i've been really enjoying it because the games take like three to four minutes and it's really easy and it's been really nice the past like it'll just launched i think last week um but it's been really nice just uh having something to do while i'm like okay i gotta make a new build because i just found three new bugs okay let's play a couple games of this okay now we're back at work <laughs> 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 oh, 
So playing the small ones right now, but yeah, excited for excited to dive deeper into some some bigger ones, some meatier ones. I mean, you know, everyone can grab a drink. You go, well, you play threes. That's true, too. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's my, it's my thing. Like, you know, when someone, yeah. someone, someone on Twitter said, you know, uh, if you want to make a game, want to make a film about a game, what would it be? And I go, I actually wrote threes. What? <laughs> Absolutely, it's, it's the most cinematic, filmable game ever. Threes. Look at the plot twists, the the numbers, and it's amazing. Are you all right? No, no, I'm not. No, please go away. <laughs> so, next, move on to the second half of the show. We delve okay. into Cosmo's quick stop. Have a go at this at the beginning of the show. It's not bad. Asking a little bit more, a little bit more detail. Sure, is, sure, this is, sure. This is what is known as the zeroth question, which I'm fully aware it's an Asimov reference, but there it is. But the zeroth question is this: What is Cosmos Quickstop? Okay, I'm ready for it this time. Uh, Cosmos Cosmos Quickstop is a interstellar gas station management game. Um, where you're running the gas station in space. I'm realizing I'm saying exactly the same thing. I'm just so trained to say it. <laughs> but um, so basically how it works is that you're running around uh, a 3D environment, um, the space station, um, and different aliens are acquiring different tasks from you located within the station. So you uh, have to run to specific spots, perform little mini games, these mini games, could be a couple button presses. They could be a mouse waggle. Uh, they could be uh, typing in a sequence of events or remembering something. Um, and you complete this task. And each of these things are simple, but the aliens they they, they want all these different tasks, and you have to run to the spots. Um, and they kind of slowly build up on top of each other until it's just completely overwhelming. Um, and we really try to put you right on the edge of like just chaotic joy and anxiety inducing failure like you're just riding that line <laughs> um and so yeah so cosmos um story-wise it's kind of about you getting um put into your uncle cosmos station um you're a new employee and you're kind of trying to better the station for him uh you progress you um get bigger stations you get lots of customizable upgrades that kind of change how you play um there's all sorts of uh encounters there's boss fights there's uh specific weathers there's you know plot developments all these kind of things so um it's really about you know you as a just graduated space kindergartner 
becoming a janitor here and just trying to make the best gas station possible uh, in space. Which is where all petrol stations need to be. Yes. Yes. In yes. Space. <laughs> Um, it is a third person and over the shoulder view kind of thing. You follow, you know, the your character around who lopes around. He's rather a yes. fellow. He's a, yes. It's just like he definitely doesn't want to be there <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah. And you know, he he has a smile on his face, but uh, you can feel the soul crushed a little bit. It's it's, <laughs> it's more like a grimace. That's the <laughs> He does have his. He does have his little pet, which is lovely. He, you know, you can pick up the pet and give him a, you know, give him a hug. That's nice. Yeah. So you can. You got that, the fish tank, and you know. You do you got all of that? But unfortunately, your uncle's there as well, and that doesn't yes. really does really creep your style quite a lot. And, yes, uh, yes. He's quite demanding, but there, you know, all for the wrong reasons. But there he is. So yeah, it it is, um, and uh, you do have to go to all these stations, and you have to, you do have to refill ships with, you do have to actually have a pump filling the the fuel. This is yeah. space. This is future time. It's <laughs> like, well, it might be not future time because all the creatures, no humans in it at all. It's none. It's all just like strange creatures with many eyes and greens. I think I think Monsters Inc. only way way wackier. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know we have people with heads inside their head and it's just fine it's okay it's not a problem yeah yeah and you, you have to direct people to get to the nearest you know planet and go well if you want to go that way and that way and that way and go that way and do all these yeah. funky little mini games all of them there's loads of them and you have to you know get better and better at them but there are means and ways to actually improve your lot to make it less stressful but you need to earn the right to make it less stressful yeah and yeah yeah so with Cosmo's Quick Stop being a measured risk game, how have you found designing the layout of the screen that the player is interacting with, the, the main viewpoint? Mm-hmm. Um, have you found the layout of this to ensure the player is suitably informed about what is about to explode? What have you done? What kind of things have you found yourself having to do to inform the player of the situation or the status of their of their Quick Stop? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question because it's something that we you know spent years really working on. Um, so there's a, kind of a couple of different things um, that we do with the UI. So, and first of all, you have to understand that these different tasks um, kind of have different categories. So there's the outer range, uh, outer ring curbside services, uh, which are services that need to be performed every time an alien requirement. And now those are things like pumping gas or um, you know, doing a car wash, things like that. There are the inner ring amenities, which are things that are often self-service. Aliens can do them, but you have to perform maintenance on them uh, either to keep them from breaking or to keep profit up, things like that. Then there's the third category, which are chores, which are normally things that don't uh, create profit at all. Um, but they're required um, from the player to either perform every time or, you know, maintain or, um, you know, at least keep an eye on. So you have these three different tasks. um, And then how do we kind of tell the player what they actually have to do? So 
on the in single player uh, on the left side of the screen we have the the task bar um, and this shows either four six or eight kind of docking stations um, depending on what size layout you have each of these arms um, will pop out and show little icons um, with the kind of indicated uh, whatever mini game they need to do um, so the shape of these icons if they are um, something you need to perform every time, your circle. And if they need to um, be just, if you can ignore them, basically, they're square. Now, what comes from those square tests, you can ignore them until you can't. And so we now have a new system called the alert system, which is basically that icon will pop over over the main character for about a second and then head up to a a kind of separate area called the alert area um, when we'll be blinking and making a kind of a a, a repeated beeping noise uh, to get the player's attention for that. So it's kind of layers of um, required attention. Um, and then the third layer of that is the asteroid events, which are uh, when an asteroid is coming to hit the station, there's a loud uh, klaxon siren going off and blinking uh, red lights and things like that. Um, and that needs to be done, you know, almost immediately. So you can take some time to kind of deal with things or wrap up what you're working at the time. So these layers of attention where if if the bigger the effect, the thing is that what you want to be paying attention to. So you go through your first layer, is the asteroid alarm going off? Okay, I don't need to pay attention to that. Okay, are there alerts going off, um, which are, you know, as I explained, they're bigger and take up more space on the screen. If, okay, there's none of those. Okay, then I can focus on the little task icons um, and kind of complete those. So that's kind of how we manage displaying the inf information um, on, a, on a first pass look from the player. Now there's kind of second, more individual information you can uh, look at is on a per dock basis, which is looking at that taskbar, you can see that icons that need that icons that need to be dealt with or are causing impatience from the aliens. And if the impatience from the aliens reaches zero, uh, they will leave, will be blinking red. The bar itself will be kind of decreasing in size and animated and agitated uh, to let you know that that is something that needs to be attended to. So it's, it's another kind of passive of, of um, you know, of, of observation or attention where you notice the bar is decreasing and agitated. And then when you look within the bar, you see the icons blinking that need to be serviced right away. So it's once they start looking at the bar, that's kind of how they drill down on what they need to do. So a quick pass to see which bar is about to expire. Okay, I'm going to do that one first. Okay, what is in the bar? Okay, I'm going to prioritize my actions to complete the things that are causing the impatience first. Um, so that's kind of the left side of the screen. Um, then there's also um, how we display kind of controls to people. There's 19 different mini games in the game, each one with custom controls. Um, so displaying how, teaching the player how these things work and reminding them, especially because upgrades can change control screens. Um, we have the tip window in the bottom left, which takes up maybe about 10% of the screen when 
um, you're interacting with an amenity. Uh, so that'll display information and that's directly below the taskbar. So the thought is, if you run up to this um, amenity, this tip window will pop open, that animation will grab attention um, and teach you what you need to know. Um, and then most of the mini games themselves to display in-world uh, information about the specific actions you want to do. So the tip window will tell you generally, use these buttons to do whatever you need to. Then the amenity or the mini game will say, okay, use press C three times or um, you know, waggle your mouse until this bar is full or things like that. Um, and so we try to keep we try to keep any relevant information to the mini game. So repeated information that um the player will need to know every time. Um, that changes kind of depending on what randomly we generate for that minigame. Um, that always sticks in the in the center of the screen, directly above Morvan's head, uh, the, the character's head. Um, then the tip window is in the bottom left to kind of describe generally actions. Um, we also color code the station to help um, guide the player around the station. Um, uh, as well as kind of numbering the stations. Um, we played a lot with um, vertical space to see if that helps to kind of guide players, and it, it <laughs> did not at all. So we, we really discovered that any sort of important information the player needs to know that is not part of the UI needs to be kind of right above the player's head. But yeah, yeah so there's, I, there's, not like a, like, there's an ellipse around the yeah. player. And uh, I've often cited uh, Destiny as being a really good example of um, using this because the health bar for Destiny is um, a little sliver of uh, like a yeah. crescent atop, uh, over the of your viewing screen. Like, how how's my health? Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, yeah. You know, you know, just look up <laughs> a little bit. So, yeah. yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. We spent a lot of time trying to figure it out, and um, sounds it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of thought went into it. Speaking of a lot of thought-provoking stuff, um, got asked about the uh, Cosmo Quickstops tutorial. It's really mm. good. Really Thank well you. Paced. Thank you. Uh, introduces the, each layer of the experience that is Cosmo's Quickstop. It is an experience, everyone. Trust me. And <laughs> um, how have you found developing this? What have you? What? What? Uh, what what trials and tribulations can you reveal to us and how it came to be? Sure, yeah. I mean, we've done about 50 iterations on the tutorial. Um, and a lot of our iterations came from going to conventions and getting a, a intense feedback from, uh, you know, uh, 300 people over the course of a day being like, oh, this is definitely not working. Um, but yeah, so we started off kind of being like, what what do we need to teach the player? What can the player learn in themselves? Um, and part of that is deciding what is important for the player to know to function in the game and what's kind of important for the player to know to excel at the game. And those are kind of two different factors. So um, over time, we've discovered that... Um, we can't just teach everything all at once. Um, we tried variations where we're like, okay, 
you're going to start with all of your mini games and we're just going to go one by one by one, teach you all, okay, you're good. Now start playing. Obviously, that just doesn't work. Um, it's just too much uh, uh, to learn. So um, we slowed it down a lot and we we're like, okay, what mini games can we start with? What What's the, the minimum amount of mini games in the game that a player can have fun playing, but without, over, without overwhelming? Um, so we decided basically um, we would have about six, six mini games, which are in the basic tutorials, the, the pumping, the, the gas refill, the car wash, the directions, uh, the vending machine, the glorp room, and the asteroids. So we did a variation of the, of the tutorial that taught just those six. Um, and we saw better results from that. Um, but we were still finding that the player would get overloaded, especially in the navigation of, this, of the station and the uh, remembering of the iconography that we use to kind of describe the tasks. So um, the next iteration we decided we we would basically have what we called like uh, I forget what we call them, but basically play sessions with just specific amenities or mini games um, for like two to three minutes before going on to teaching the next kind of set of them. And then once we had play sessions with just each set of amenities, we would combine them all and have like a tutorial play session with just those. So that version of the tutorial worked pretty well, um, but we were still finding players would still be getting overwhelmed just in the amount of time we were teaching. You know, it was just taking, you know, 20, 25 minutes to get through this tutorial. Um, and by the time, you know, you teach the last thing, they might have be, even though they've kind of had some interaction, they wouldn't quite remember or quite understand uh, what they needed to do. Um, and going with this all, we also, with the different control schemes, we had to make sure the player couldn't accidentally complete these tasks. Like, they actually had to understand the interactions required of them. Um, and so we, we had to make sure that they repeated it enough times and, we, and made sure they couldn't accidentally complete it enough times uh, without learning. Um, so that was that iteration. That was pretty good. Um, and that led us to the the last iteration of the tutorial, which is we broke it up even more and just taught three tasks in one tutorial, completed that tutorial, did some, um, basically completed that day. Between each day, you go back to Morvin's room and kind of interact with some stuff and um plan your station and stuff like that, and then go back into the tutorial and teach the next three uh, amenities. And we did that um, primarily to teach the difference between um, the curbside amenities that require actions every time and the self-service amenities that don't require action every time, uh, because a lot of people would see the task icons, uh, even for the self-service stuff, and just be like, okay, I have to go stock the vending machine right away because someone needs to use the vending machine. And it's like, no, you need to know that someone's using the vending machine, but you don't need to act upon that until um, there's an alert going off. And so teaching that in its own separate chunk was very, very important. Um, Got to clean yeah. the goop up. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that stuff stinks. I mean, that that rictus grin that uh, <laughs> that is, is, is held by the character. Oh boy, he's not, he's not having any fun at all. This is he did not. He actually did not sign up for any of that. No, 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 no. Um, but yeah, so that's the tutorial. It took a really long time to get right, but um, I think. I, I think it's something I'm I'm most proud about of the game is just how we've ended up with the tutorial and you know, we can give this to anybody now and they can get through the tutorial at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is a reliance this is the next question by the way, on a contrasting bright colours mm. throughout Cosmo's quick stop. Uh how have you found this style, this art style? To assist with the for informing the player and where where there is things they should be doing and not, I mean, it strikes me that it really does a fantastic job of saying you might want to go into this room. Just saying, just, <laughs> this, 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 this is the thing you really need. I know that looks interesting, but this is way more interesting and useful <laughs> and required. So, how have you found the art style informing the the game? Yeah. Um... You know, there's a lot. I, I basically every issue we run into Cosmo is is just how do we tell the player what they need to do, um, and where they are in the station. So um, on the the base the base station, um, there is like a rainbow circle around the inner ring, um, and then each one of the kind of outer docks are specifically color coded. Um, cause originally we didn't have any of this color in there. We just had the docking stations one through eight and you would get lost so, so quickly. Um, no matter where we put the numbers, they just didn't click with people at all. But as soon as we color coded those outer stations and those color codes match kind of the task icons on the, on the task bar, um, it was far easier to remember where you were and what you were doing. Um, especially because there are teleporters between the outer ring stuff. And so if you you can just run through the teleporters and instantly get moved within the station, um, and those colors just, it just instantly pops in your brain. Okay, I'm grounded. I know where I am. Um, and I know where I can go from there. So that's kind of the base station layout. Um, we also have kind of how we approach the inner ring amenities and the design, the art style of those is they're all self-contained brightful, bright units of kind of, you can see they all kind of have the same framing structure. Um, and those really pop out from the station. So, um, you know, there's no confusion of like, is this just an interesting little station thing or is this something I need to interact with? We really try to make the bright things, the things you can interact with the most. Um, then within those amenities themselves, um, you know, we are a little bit more willy-nilly on how we color stuff. Uh, we want things to be cool and uh, funny looking and stuff like that. Um, but we normally put screens. Like, we, the player knows that if they see kind of a black space, a black screen or something like that, or a screen, a, a colored screen with the task icon in, they know that is the point of where they need to um, access the mini game and do whatever they need to do. Um, and so we really try to put that either 
Um, that they, that just needs to be easy for the player to get to. So and realize where they need to go to. Um, so that's how they get a lot of that. Then we also color code the the glorp rooms, um, which in the bigger stations are two glorp rooms, and the smaller stations they're just one. Um, but those color coding matches the docking stations themselves, so that will help you remind kind of where those are because th- those are kind of the hardest part of you're in a you're in a big circle, you know. Okay, what what degree do I need to be at this circle to get to these things? Um, that that doesn't really work for people. But if they think, okay, colors, what color do I need to get to? Okay, there there it is. That's where I find it. So um, there's a lot of color. We love color. Some of the color is just because we love color. Some of the color is because we're actually trying to guide the player. But um. But yeah, I mean, it's it's you know it works it works pretty well. Um, some people still have a little bit of trouble um, getting lost in that inner ring station, um, but they normally can figure it out. You know. Yeah, yeah. The amount of times you go, what color is this room? Well, it's green. I know I am. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You okay. know, and it's okay. It's okay to get a little lost sometimes. Like well, I even still run in circles, and that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you just want to be a tourist as well, you know. Yeah. In the sights. <laughs> what is that? I thought. I mean, I see some some weird stuff in, in you know, No Man's Sky, but this is taking the biscuit. Anyway, <laughs> the amount of the last question, by the way. Last question. I know all good things, okay. but they do. Okay. They do. Here we go. <laughs> the amount of customization in Cosmos Quickstop does lend itself to management games. Like theme park, for example, I've got a lot of theme park vibes coming mm-hmm. from Cosmos Quick Stop. It's not a bad thing, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of. So while it forces the player to be a janitor, they also are managing <laughs> the station as well. Yes, yes. It kind of, you know, you're a man of many, or a thing of many talents, <laughs> uh, a master of absolutely none. Yes. Um, how do you ensure, or how have you found, you know, we've spoken about this at length already about how the tutorial helps with this, but what have you done to make sure the player doesn't become too overwhelmed, bearing in mind that the premise of Cosmos Quick Stop is to become overwhelmed because you are <laughs> an overworked employee. So when I say yeah. overwhelmed, I'm really talking about sensory um Oversaturation, like I just can't. No, just and you're just like no, no, can't. Just uh, and everything just falls <laughs> apart. What What do you do to make sure it doesn't happen too often? Because it's going to happen. Because that's the that's the premise of all plate spinning games. That eventually they just go. I I'm just going to let them all crash. I can't. I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's there's a couple different things we do. Um, I think. Uh, one of the most important things we do that kind of came late to the game was that we realized that no matter what we did in game, we needed to give the players time to kind of recharge their brain between days. Um, and so no matter how good the game is, if you play it, if you played it long enough, these earlier versions, your brain would just turn to mush. It would just happen. Um, and so we really looked at the in-between day activities um, and how we could give the player more time to kind of still engage with the game, but kind of 
de-stress themselves and prepare themselves for the next day. Um, and those are things um, like putting the space cat in there, putting all the different cosmetics, putting the TV commercials, the fish tanks, um, and then most importantly, uh, the actual managing of the station. Um, having the having the upgrades um, swappable, uh, so you can take away upgrades from things and putting them into other things, uh, really gives the player uh, agency. Um, to kind of control their station, but that also benefits that just gives more time the players interacting with that specific setup. So that's kind of the first step was give the player more time to recharge. Um, in the actual um, action days, um, we do a couple things to try to keep the player right on that edge of of, of fun and stress. Um, one of the big things is that when you complete a customer, um, that customer doesn't automatically leave. You have to undock the customer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do. Yeah. And that. Go. Get, go. Get, get out. Come on. You're done. Get um, out. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> but that is is so important in a self-regulating er, way where if a player is too overwhelmed and they don't know what to do, they will forget to undock people. Yeah. Um, and if you forget to undock people, you are self-limiting how many new people can dock at the station. Um, and so that is a big part of it slows you down. Um, and it, you know, self-balances to a point where like, okay, now I'm once you kind of regain control of, you know, your brain and your motor functions, you're like, okay, I can start undocking these people again. Um, yeah, yeah. So I've that, done that myself, that, I've done it yeah. myself. Like, take a breath. Okay, you've got three, <laughs> you've got three, two, and four. They're all waiting. Oh, that's yeah, cool. we're gonna get a combo <laughs> for this lot. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a that's a big part of it. Um, yeah, yeah. It is a bit of a of, of a double edged um, sword, though, because um, that sometimes limits the player in realizing how to get better at the game. Um, because the, 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 the goal of the game is always to get as much money as possible. And we really try to push that by, by getting high scores, you unlock more upgrades, um, you know, you complete the boss fights, things like that. Um, but a lot of people kind of attach success or failure at a day based on how many ships they have failed which is not normally, I mean, it, it is for bonus, like we have bonus upgrades, you want a perfect day. Um, but more importantly, if it, it's okay to fail ships um, if you're undocking and moving through ships very quickly. Um, the mechanic of making you undock stuff and people forgetting undock stuff is great for slowing down the game, but it doesn't give a lot of feedback to a player who is trying to improve of prove at the game and not understanding why they aren't making more money so we've had to deal with that with a little extra tutorializations and really pushing some keyword vocabulary to like really remind the player like you need to undock quickly if you can um you want um to make money and that's kind of what one of our bonus stars is you know it's like average ship weight under 22 seconds it depends on your difficulty 
Um, but that is a constant reminder, like, if you can, you want to be undocking your ships quickly. Um, so that's, like, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but I think we found a good balance with that. Yeah, I definitely think so. It's um, I'd never thought... I always felt that um, any sense of failure was my fault, and that's a really good place to be in game design. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, when you play the platformers, especially in that kind of thing, like Hollow Knight's fantastic for that. Like, it's tough. It's my fault, though. Yeah, I what, yeah, I yeah, what, yeah. I knew what I needed to do. I just didn't do it. <laughs> it's my fault. Yeah. You know, but, um, so, yes, Cosmo's Quick Stop, which is developed by Big Sur Games. I have Correct. to ask, where's where's the name come from? Um, it doesn't really come from anywhere. Um, okay. my yeah, my wife and I were just kind of brainstorming and stuff, and we're like, we kind of like that. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people think it's Big Sur, California, but it it's not. No, um. <laughs> I mean it's not the latest version of Mac OS. No, it's not. It's the, nope. the developer has it. <laughs> it's spelled yeah. differently for a start. So stop. <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, but yeah. when we were making the studio, we were really talking a lot about names and we're like, well, they normally don't matter because you're too small, people won't remember it, or you're too big and every, it, everybody will remember it no matter what the name is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you say that and then now people like, for example, Naughty Dog have got a paw on their logo and like, we still called that? Yes. <laughs> that was a 3 a.m. meeting. I know. And now we're lumbered with it. Look, we got the art designer drawing paws. Look at that. <laughs> that was worth it. Anyway, so yeah, Cosmos Quick Stop, made by Big Sur Games. Is that now on? Will you give us the platforms or platforms? Yeah, so you can buy it through Steam or uh, Game Jolt. Um, both are good platforms. Uh, if you do buy it through Steam, you can use Steam Remote Play to play the local uh, co-op. Um, via online which is really um a great technology hmm. and which systems does it work on uh right now it's just uh for windows um okay. we're we're you know we might port it over we might not who knows <laughs> no, no, i know i know just so you know because uh this is a question I often asked and i i, I once got in trouble because i revealed a platform that to a game that I had to edit out afterwards because it turns out it had been announced and they got big Whoops. trouble. What please? <laughs> I my defense was it was on their website, but they said no, I don't care. Ah, well, yeah, yeah, there you uh, go. Yeah, there you go. That's my defense. I said, this is in the Bristol little never mind. Fine. <laughs> Fine. So, um Ian, it's been fantastic having you on the show. It's been very, very informative and open and honest about the creation process of Cosmos Quick Stop, which is an excellent game. Uh, we'll, be Thank streaming you. It. we'll be streaming it soon. Um, awesome. Not yet. And <laughs> uh, you've been, yeah, you've been a great guest, and you're more than welcome to come back and talk about what next is in uh, Big Sur's um, plate, whatever ah, that may be. Who, who knows what's next? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? It's probably, you know, Dark Souls 4 or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, um, but we do have a lot of return guests over the years, so and whatever it is, we will be here. We okay, really will be here. Well, thank uh, you so much for having me, it's been a blast talking about the game. Yeah, I'll definitely get that feeling, dude. After all these years, you're still, still enthusiastic, which 
you know, some people go, oh God, please. <laughs> but no, you've still got a passion and and uh, enthusiasm for the game, which is fantastic, which is reflective of the game itself, which is wonderful mm-hmm. stuff. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, canandrinse.com. Mm-hmm.